Welcome to Literacy Ladies. Uh, We have a very special program today. Um, Instead of Michelle being on the other end of the microphone, we have Christina Schlupp, and we are so happy to have Christina here. She is an outstanding senior at Western Connecticut State University in the Education Department. Um, She is a Hancock Scholar, which is very important. She's done a lot of work with the Honors Program. She has probably done more volunteering at the kindergarten level than just about any of our other students and she's just an exceptional person and that's why we've invited her today to talk about teaching and her life so far in kindergarten. Uh, Christina, it's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. Um, Thank you for those kind words. And uh, I'd just like to start off with how did you get involved with this interest in teaching? Well, I originally wanted to be a music teacher because when I was in high school, I spent a lot of time in the band room. I liked to sing, um, and I was really inspired by my music teacher. Um, So I came to Western, and I auditioned for the music program, and I wasn't accepted. And so initially, I got the letter, and I just kind of broke down. I was like, oh my god, this is my life plan. What am I going to do with myself? But the more that I thought about it, the more that I realized that I think I was destined to be a teacher from the time I was a child. I mean, I can remember we used to have this plastic chalkboard and my all of my friends in my neighborhood were younger than I was. So I used to love going home and teaching them what I was learning in school and writing it on the blackboard and giving them assessments and grading the assessments and when my friends weren't around I taught my stuffed animals. Well that's very interesting because when I started out I was going to be a phys ed teacher and I flunked gymnastics and so therefore (laughs) I became an elementary teacher. I didn't realize we had such a similar story but now why the fascination for kindergarten in particular? I think this is the most difficult level to teach of all. Kindergarten definitely is difficult but I find it to be very rewarding. Um, When I was a sophomore a friend of mine said actually when I was a freshman a friend of mine said um, can you please come help us at this elementary school we need some help So I volunteered in fourth grade for one semester, and then the following year he said kindergarten really needs help. They can't even walk down the hallway without the teacher having to stop and talk to them. So I decided to to give kindergarten some help, and I was assigned to a small classroom. Um, The classroom actually was not meant to be a classroom, it was meant to be an ELL room. And they converted it into a classroom because they didn't have a whole lot of room. But what was nice about that was that it was a small group, and so we became very close. And I ended up volunteering in that room five days a week during my sophomore year. So those kids became my kids, and I was like a second teacher to them. And in that way, I just kind of fell in love with kindergarten. I loved being greeted every time I walked into the room with Miss Christina and big hugs, and it didn't matter what they were doing, they dropped it and they came and they gave me a big hug and that just made me feel so loved and accepted and that and that's why I fell in love with kindergarten. And being in kindergarten is very special too because their attention span is just so short and you really have to have classroom management techniques. So how do you survive in the kindergarten classroom <laughs> with your classroom management? <laughs> classroom management is the key to dealing with kindergarten. 
without it, they will not learn because like you said, they are very, um, they're very young. They're four years old sometimes when they come in. Um, and so classroom management is probably the biggest piece to being a kindergarten teacher. Um, the first thing that I would recommend is to just have a, a positive classroom climate. Um, make rules with the children. You know, don't make the rules yourself. Make them with the other children because then it becomes more personal. They've all, they've all agreed to it and then they feel like they have an obligation to abide by those rules. So that's one of the things that I would do. The other thing is to establish mutual respect. You know, they don't just have to respect you, but you have to respect them. Um, you have to respect their ideas, who they are as people and individuals, because they are very individual. They No two children are alike. They're like snowflakes. Um, the other thing is really establish that they need to be taking academic risks. And what that means is that even if they don't know what the right answer is, they should be able to try and they should guess. And a lot of times they'll find that they are right when they guess. But the way that I would do that is to, um, I've always had this idea in my head and I got this from an article that I had read and I can't remember who the author is. But she said at the beginning of the year, demonstrate for them how you would take a risk. So one thing that I might do is to bring in some little balls, juggling balls, and start juggling. And I'm very not good at juggling, but I would practice, and of course at first I would not be good. But then I would demonstrate, you know, maybe let one of the balls go flying across the room, of course in a safe way, and say, oh, I made a mistake. But you know what? That's okay, because the next time that I go to pick up those juggling balls, I'm gonna be a little bit better at it and then demonstrate for them that the next time I pick it up, I'm gonna be a little bit better and a little bit better, and eventually I'll get to do this and show them some cool tricks, like underneath the leg or something like that. Um, and of course, they get very excited that you're juggling for them, but then they also, in their minds, have that visual of you trying and sometimes failing and sometimes succeeding, and that's okay. That's such a, a wonderful um, uh, event that you shared there, and you are actually taking a risk today. I mean, uh, we asked if any student wanted to come and do a podcast with us, and you were the only one willing to take a risk, and I think that's amazing. Um, you also have to have a lot of hands-on, exciting, motivational, creative activities to keep these students focused. What are some of your favorite activities that you use in the kindergarten classroom? Well, I think if you can make anything personal for them, they really love it. Um, this is unfortunately not allowed in schools anymore, but when I was in kindergarten my sophomore year, we were learning to, how to write how-to books. And so one of the things that the teacher and I did was we split the class into two. He had one group, I had the other, and we made pudding with them. And every student got to do one step, and then at the end we ate it. Um, now, unfortunately, you cannot bring food into school anymore, but if you can do something like that, that they get to actually be hands-on and doing it, they love that. Uh, they also really love inquiry learning. Um, when it's not frustrating. You know, sometimes 
you try to do an inquiry and they really just don't understand what you're trying to guide them to. And so they'll either, either lose interest or they'll get discouraged. So when that happens, you may need to rephrase your question. And sometimes they still won't get it. So then you have to look at what are they missing or what am I ex not explaining right? What needs to change about me? And it, the important thing to remember in kindergarten is that they're four and five years old. A lot of them have never been to school before. It's your job to guide them to the learning. So you can't say what are they not doing right? What are they not getting? It's what am I not doing right about my own teaching that they are not understanding. That's a wonderful philosophy. I wish we could get that across to every teacher. Yeah, um, one other thing that I wanted to say is that, like I said, make anything personal for them. Um, one thing that we had done is that in kindergarten we have sight word lists, and each list has 100 sight words on it. And when a student finished a sight word list, he or she was able to have lunch with the teacher in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And that's a reward for them, but it's also internally motivating. You know, you want to make sure that your motivations are not external. So it's not like, oh, I want a good grade, or I want to pick something from the prize box. You know, those are good ways initially to get students to do the work that they want to do, but it goes back to a classroom climate. You want them to want to learn because that's what makes it most personal and most in-depth for them and that's what's going to make them want to continue their education even when they leave your classroom. Uh, and you sort of um, got on to our next question. You talked about sight words. Um, it wasn't too many years ago that kindergarten was mainly socialization and fun, and now we are really deep into reading in kindergarten. Um, how do you feel about this? Do you see it working? Oh, absolutely. I think that a lot of times we do not give students enough credit. Kindergartners, even though they are babies, they can absorb so much information and apply so much information if they're given the right classroom environment. Uh, one suggestion that I have is to make it manipulative for them. So allow them to use Play-Doh to form words, or I've seen, I've seen teachers fill a gallon bag full of glitter glue, and then they form the words um, on the outside of the bag, or in sand, or in shaving cream, or they manipulate wiki sticks to write letters and sight words and sentences. And, and all that is really good because it, it adds in that psychomotor activity that it makes it more in-depth for them. The key to literacy in kindergarten is just practice, practice, practice. I can't even tell you how many times our students have gone over the kinesthetic alphabet. Every single morning during morning meeting, they do the kinesthetic alphabet. And reading and writing, really, they go hand in hand. They learn it in reader's workshop and they apply it in writer's workshop. And uh, I was just gonna conclude with, and I think you've included some of this, like parents. You know, what can the parents do to assist the school in helping that kindergarten child to become more literate? Well, I actually find that parents who work with their children and who take an interest in their children 
Um, it definitely has effect on the child at school and their test scores. Not that test scores are everything, um, but it but it affects the child's learning a whole lot. Um, I would say that the most important thing for parents to do is to just stay positive. You know, if a student doesn't get something right, don't tell them that they're wrong. Say, oh, I really like that you tried, or, or I really like that you, you found this sound in that word, and that was really good. Let's see if we can find some of the other sounds that are in the word. Um, the other thing is to just read with them. You know, even if they're not doing the reading, just them learning you know, the concepts about, they'll learn concepts about print as you're reading and they'll see words that they may not consciously associate, but will have an effect on them when they get into school. Well, thank you so much, Christina. I mean, you have such great insight and such a wealth of knowledge. And I just want you to realize that Christina has not even gone into pre-student teaching, which is our PDS, and has not student taught. But like many of our students, she has put so much time into volunteering prior to this or working in preschools. And we're just so proud of our students here at WestCon and how well prepared they come to go into the schools. Do you have any final comments, Christina? I would just suggest that you know, it's never too late, even if you are in, in your PDS semester. Um, do your best to get into a school. A lot of schools need help. Just email them and say, I'd like to, to come in and volunteer, and they will be more than willing to accept you. And, and everything that I'm learning in PDS is just being reinforced because I've spent time in the classrooms. And it's just a great experience to not only learn for yourself, but to, to network and to get yourself out of there, because it is difficult to get a job when you get out of school, especially in this area of the country, and you want to make yourself stand out from the other applicants. What great advice. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you for coming on Literacy Ladies. Thank you for having me, Dr. Shaw.